You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Shalom, this is Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson coming to you recorded live from Jerusalem, the city of the prophets, the eternal capital of Israel, discussing biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Mm, I like that, Nehemia. How do you say that again? The eternal city? The eternal capital of Israel. Ah, the eternal capital city of Israel. The prophets. Now, is that the official eternal capital of Israel, and then half of it's uh, going to be someone else's capital, or what's? How does that work? Is it? Is it? Is this? Is this? Can it be more than one cap? Can one city be a capital for two groups, or can it only be one? About ca- that, <laughs> I'm just asking the question. Because you know, it, it amazes me when, when in history we look back at the at the Berlin Wall. And universally, everybody looks upon that as this horrible thing that happened, this horrible persecution, mm-hmm. this destruction of, of you know of of, of the national soul of, of Germany, which kind of deserved it. Um, and then they want to turn around and do the same thing to Israel, the eternal capital of, of the people of the Jewish people. Mm. Like, wait a minute, why do For you want to don't why do you want to put I'm the saying, Berlin Wall down the center of Jerusalem? So, would you do something? We've been talking about yeah. this. I've really been enjoying actually conversations we've been having. When we're not here recording, um, and and some of these are really like really really significant conversations. But in terms of the international community's uh, thought that that somehow Jerusalem can be split and uh, it can be the capital for one and capital for I mean is that is that the idea that they think that you can have a capital part of Jerusalem can be the capital of one group of people and then another part can be the capital of other people? I mean, is that is there any part? Is there any is is that what they're saying? That's what I want to know. I'm not so sure that's what they're saying. I think they want it to be the capital of Palestine, which is there's never oh, in the no, entire, no part of it can be uh, in the, the entire history of the world. There's never been a history. There's never been a country called Palestine. Jerusalem was never the capital of. Um, it wasn't even the capital of an Arab province. In fact, there was an Arab province here called called Philistine, and its capital was Ramla, mm-hmm. which is a city uh, about an hour from here. It wasn't Jerusalem by car. Okay. Well, I just thought I'd ask you. So they ruled Jerusalem, but it was not their capital. It wasn't their city. Mm -hmm. Ramla was. Well, you know, it's interesting, Nehemiah. We're going to be in Ezekiel again. And and I will just let everyone know, um, this is no small feat today. We've been working all day uh, today, and it's been with the Word of God. And so, again, we've been impassioned to do it. um, But this is really an important passage um, uh, for us to talk about. I hope that you've got your uh, computer charged up because uh, mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm really kind of excited about this. And I, I really don't know if that I can talk much beyond the first verse. The first verse for me, Ezekiel 44. Before we get that, I just want to say that um, get to that. I just want to say that we have been, um, we really have been um, adding another dimension, and the dimension is to be able to discuss some of these things we didn't get to discuss this, Nehemiah, and I, and I, I feel kind of bad about it because. I, I, you know, I, I did some searching in the Bible and, and, and there's some questions that I have and hopefully we'll be able to answer those questions. So let's, let's go ahead and get, right, let's get started right off in the beginning. It says, yeah, well, well what, no, go ahead. That, let, let's just give the background here. Okay, so we're good. reading it's the 31st episode. We're doing 31st, uh, prophets portion corresponding this time to the portion of Emor, which is Leviticus 21 verse one through 24 verse 23. And what we're reading today is Ezekiel 44, verses 15 to 31. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say to our Prophet Pro partners, Mark and Chris, thank you so much, Mark and Chris, for, yeah, for being our Prophet Pro partners for this. It's so funny when we actually um, decided that we wanted to do this. We obviously didn't have this trip as a part of what it was going to cost for us to do no. this. <laughs> we uh, we had our editor and we had the Ain't issues the surround it. So this has been something that's actually above and beyond what we expected. But we always like to say this. 
whenever God gives vision, um, he always gives provision. So when we talk about um, our ministries, let me just be real clear mm -hmm. um, with people. Um, when Nehemiah does his thing and he says, you know, stand with me on the wall. And I talk, go to the BFA uh, um, website. It's an opportunity for you um, to, if you're enjoying Profit Pearls, um, by you supporting us in that, you're also helping us um, to be able to continue to do what we do and to get caught up for what it's cost us to get here. <laughs> yeah, there have definitely been expenses that nobody, you know, I mean, yeah. the original plan for, you know, was you, you'll, you'd be sitting in Shanghai and I would yeah. be somewhere in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. and we would record this and, um, you know, and there would be certain expenses, but we didn't expect that we would have to both fly to Israel, mm -mm. rent this uh, safe house, yep. and a bunch of other expenses that weren't anticipated. And so, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing it. And, but but as it's we for said, the right purpose. It's for the right purpose. And, and as we said, we're committed to doing it, so we'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever it takes. He even made me ride on a Harley Davidson <laughs> yeah, motorcycle. You even saw that video. Scared the <laughs> heck out of me. <laughs> but the Levitical priest. And then it says, Nehemiah, in 44, verse 15 of the book of Ezekiel, the prophet that I have raised as the, you know, this guy is just my guy. Uh, it says, uh, but the Levitical priest, and, and if, if it would have stopped there, I guess I would just, you know, kind of move on. But it says the Levitical priest, the sons of Zadok. Okay. Now, when I read that, I ask myself a simple question. Why, why do we have the definition of the sons, and, and specifically in this situation, how can I do this unless I take a look and say, who is this person? Who are the sons of Zadok? Yeah, well, let's read okay. the verse, then we'll okay. talk about that. And then, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares Yehovah, the, God, uh, the Lord God, it says in English. And I would challenge you to say something. There's not another verse in the entire Tanakh that has me as many times as it's here. In the English, is it's it really true? interesting. I don't know. But it was interesting. They capitalized me and my. So I want to read it real quick. But the little priest charge of my sanctuary, when the sons of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me, to minister to me. They shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. Six times in yeah. one verse. I don't know. We have to, now we've got to. I don't know if we can check it. It, it won't be something we check now because that really is but a little complicated. Amazing. Yeah. But yeah, we've got six me's and what's. In, yeah, that's interesting. And me's or my's. Yeah. Me's or my's or. Anyway, but again, so, uh, the sons of Tzedak. And uh, I don't know. Our, our tzedok is, is what it. B'nai Tzedok. Yeah, B'nai Tzedok. And I want to do something if I can, yeah. if it would be all right. Um, I usually ask you, you know, what's the word of the week? I want to say what the word of the week is today. Sure. I want to explain it because it caused me to kind of do a little bit of, um, if I could say a little bit of checking myself. And so um, many times people talk about this, this three-letter root, which is Tzadik, Dalit, Kof. Now, that's the three-letter root of a word, which is Tzadok. Now, it's a noun, and we're talking about a person. It's a proper noun. And so that three-letter root is used for a lot of different words. And I want to just off the top of your head, how many words do you think, just off the top of your head, Nehemiah, um, would you say are based on that three-letter root? Just just in English, just some words that you well, think off the top of I your mean, head. Can I do it in Hebrew? Oh, of course you can. Know, but I'm saying the translation, the translation in oh, English. Oh, I mean, we have um, tzedek, yep. tzedakah, tzedek, um, tzedekim. Tzedekim is not in the Tanakh. Okay. okay. But we have the name Tzedok. We have the king uh, Zedekiah, Tzedekiahu. Yep. Yep. Um, I think we have a Yehot Tzedak, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll leave that one off. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, that's five. Yeah, uh, man, that's a lot. What you, what you got? Oh, no. I'm just saying if I were to say this, if I just said, okay, I want to just look for how many times we have, say, the root of that word. Yeah. 605 times. 
Right, but how many, I guess, lexical entries? Yeah, 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 yeah. There. That's a different that, question. That, that is, well, that's the question I'm asking. Okay. But okay. Um, yeah, so... Okay. Yeah. But I would say this. Um, um, when, I'm looking at, when I'm looking at this and I'm asking, okay, so who is this person and where do we see this person at? Mm-hmm. The thing that was kind of interesting to me is that I went and asked myself, where do we see this person operating? The name, that specific name, um, operating as a priest. And there's a really big gap between the last time that we see this name and then by the time we get to Ezekiel. Right. And uh, I don't know what you thought about that. I mean, it was it was um, it was helpful for me just to go back and take a look. And I bet you even have it here. The list. Are you ready with your list? You've got- I'm ready to okay, talk about the who list. Sadok was or awesome. Zadok. Yes. So first of all, Zadok he was the high priest at the time of Solomon in the mm-hmm. first temple. Mm-hmm. He's the first priest, high priest in the first temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Zadok had been alongside in, in Samuel this guy named Eviatar mm-hmm. during the time of David. But Eviatar rebelled by backing Adoniahu. We, I think mm-hmm. we read that section. Yep. Um, Eviatar was banished from the priesthood and sent to Anatot in fulfillment of Samuel's prophecy about Eli. We did talk about in that. In 1 Samuel 3:11 uh, to 14. And then uh, it was applied to Eli's descendant, uh, Eviatar, in 1 Kings 2:27. And, of course, Jeremiah is a descendant of, uh, probably, of, uh, of, of um, Eviatar, because mm-hmm. he also came from Anatot. Um, so Zadok basically is this priest from the high temple. And, and, and all the high priests who come after Z- uh, Zadok are descendants of Zadok. So when we hear about B'nai Tzadok, the sons mm-hmm. of Tzadok, we're talking about these descendants of the line of the high priest. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe not every uh, B'nai Tzadok is a high priest, um, but they're descended from this first high priest. Mm-hmm. And that will actually be really important as we read the passage that we're dealing with this family of the high priests. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at what the other question, did you have? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, so the question I ask in verse 15 is he's referring to this historical event. And in the Hebrew, it's not entirely clear if it happened or didn't happen, because we have this idea in Hebrew of what we call the prophetic past. Yes. Sometimes you'll say something in the past tense, which hasn't happened yet, because it's going to happen imminently. It's definitely going to happen. It's it's a certainty it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we, 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 we encountered that this past week. I don't know if you remember, we were um, going to return the rental car that we had for a few days. And um, I went in to return it, and they've got to do this thing where they check over the rental car. Um, something they don't do in America, I don't know why. But in Israel, they're very fastidious about checking for scratches. Um, and so the guy was on the phone, and he turns to me, and he says, ba, which literally means I have already come. Yeah, and I, and <laughs> I remember you, talking and, about And that. you said to me, and you, you said, what did he say? And I said, he, he said, I, he, said um, he has already come. And, and it was prophetic past, meaning the guy's still sitting there on the phone. He's you, not there. What do you mean you've already come? You're, I'm waiting. I'm sitting here waiting. And um, but it, but what he means is I'm definitely going to come. It's imminent. I'm for sure going to come. He might have been lying, but that's what he that's what he meant. And that's actually a, a modern day example of this concept in Hebrew, the prophetic past. Mm. Um, and it, by the way, before yeah. you go any further, Nehemiah, just as a just as a matter of uh, a little bit of uh, housekeeping here. So yeah. you say you had the car for a few days. Now I've yeah. actually only been in that car with you for one day and since then you've had me on the bus yeah. so we don't have that car anymore and we're, and taking, we're taking the, the bus buses. back and forth no, this, for this, six this is a class this is a, night, this is a classy a, operation a, he's got me in the basement folks and i'm taking a bus i'm sick and you've got me on the bus what happened to the car we couldn't afford to keep I couldn't the afford car to have it we weren't expecting to come here yeah. right um anyway so um so yeah, so the question is, um, is this something that happened already? But in other words, I, Ezekiel, when you say something that happened, you're speaking of which which so, aspect? So here's here's the point. Ezekiel is writing this or, or preaching this, and then it's written down mm-hmm. sometime in the 500s BCE. If it's the 590s or 580s, mm-hmm. I don't know. We can look at the passage, but it's sometime in the 500s BCE. 
Um, did this already take place by the time Ezekiel comes along? Or is he saying, this is going to happen, and then when it happens, there'll be this group of people who are loyal to me, so I will then... Um, when you say this, you mean this first verse, this oh, idea yeah. of them doing These this? Levitical priests, who, yes. who, here's the thing, who guarded my treasure, the treasure of my sanctuary, when the children of Israel went astray for me. Well, when did they guard the treasure or the... Or the um, the the the, uh, the ritual of the sanctuary. sanctuary. When yeah. did they keep the sanctuary? When the children of Israel went astray? Was that in the time of you know King you know Manasseh? Was oh, it in okay. the time of I King see. Josiah? Yeah. Or was this something that happened in a later period of history? And I can tell you my view of it, but the real answer is we don't know. It's really not clear. He may have, he may be referring to something that in his time it was already a fact be, that they had that the rest of the Israelites had gone astray, except as one family of high priests. I see. Um, and yes. because that family of high priests was was loyal, in the future they'll be chosen to be the priests in the temple once again, mm. and they'll have the special status. Or maybe this is something that he knew would happen in the future at a time when the Israelites would go astray. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, in the final temple, because that's what we're dealing with here in Ezekiel 40 to 48, um, Important piece of information, yeah. by the way. In this final third temple, they will then be the family of high priests because they were loyal in this other period of history, which hadn't happened yet in the time of Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. And maybe it doesn't even happen today. In other words, maybe we're going to have a situation where there's a future temple built and all of Israel will go astray after something, maybe after some false messiah, I don't know, and uh, or some false one world government or something. And there'll be this one family of high priests who will be loyal to the creator of the universe and keeping the sanctuary. And because of that, in the final temple or in the final period of the temple, they will then um, be the priests. In other words, it's not entirely clear from this yeah. passage. I always just say, it just seems, and, and, and again, I'm, I appreciate the fact you're saying it's not entirely clear. It's just that from all the things that we've read in different situations where we've seen, and especially when you read through kings and you hear about the kings doing this, and then, and then the, the remnant of people that will either continue to do what is right or, or won't bow their knee or whatever, it just it, it's hard for me not to think that this isn't the past. But again, I can't tell you exactly where that would be. I couldn't right. give you a specific example that says that definitely when the people went astray, uh, the priests uh, continued to. So to, can to I make a suggestion? Yes. Okay. So um, and look, we don't know. Here's the bottom line. But mm-hmm. there is something that I look at in history and I say, wait a minute, this sounds awfully like it. And specifically, there was a group in Second Temple times called the Sadducees. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not talking about the Sadducees in the New Testament because those were actually a subgroup called the Bethusians or mm-hmm. the Herodians in mm-hmm. some sources. I'm talking about the Sadducees who actually predate the time of Herod, who came along and and kind of usurped that group. Mm -hmm. And the original Sadducees were Jews who followed only the written scripture. And and what does Sadducee mean? Now, I know in the Christian tradition they say they were sad, you see. (laughs) But actually, Sadducee in Hebrew is Tzadokim, Tzadokim. which is another way of saying the children of Tzadok. So I tried to slip that in earlier, and you said it wasn't. Okay, well, no, it's not biblical Hebrew. It's a historical issue. It's it's, um, Second Temple Hebrew. Okay, gotcha. And this is uh, Tanakh Hebrew. Um, So, yeah. So the Tzadokim, or the B'nai Tzadok, the sons of Tzadok, they were mm-hmm. actually an historical group that we know about, mm-hmm. who um, who up until, um, as I said, there was this thing with Herod, where he married this um, the daughter of this priest from Alexandria called yep. Bothus, mm-hmm. and, then the, and then Bothus basically hijacked the Sadducees and established these Herodian or Bethusian Sadducees. But the pre-one, the earlier ones, mm-hmm. they were people who were loyal to the Torah at a time when the children of Israel went astray. And I'll admit here, I'm a Karite Jew, and you, if you want to say this is a Karite bias, I completely accept it. But I would say the other way around, I'm a Karite because of this, not not 
because I'm a Karite, I say this. Mm-hmm. And that's that, how did the Israelites go astray? What's he talking about? Well, this is exactly the time when the, we have the rise of the rabbis. The rabbis show up around 150 BC and start to gradually get a greater and greater stranglehold over the Jewish people. And by around 30 BC, you have the house of Shammai and the house of Hillel, who are these two dominant Pharisee groups. And, and at this time, you have exactly what he talks about here. You have these Levitical priests, sons of Tzadok, who keep the sanctuary when the children of Israel are going astray for me mm-hmm. after the rabbis. That's my Karite reading of this verse, and I'm sticking with it. Okay, so be it. Uh, but here's what it says that they will do, or did. Yeah. They shall enter my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister to me mm-hmm. and keep my charge. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's hard for you. When I when I read that, I just think about what was going on in a really practical way, what what kind of work they did. Now, you, you said that you won uh, a few a few sessions ago. You said you won uh, the, the contest in right. school about all the different things that happened. When you read that the verse, of the do you think about do you think about what exactly they did? What is the you know, obviously talking about coming near to my table. To minister well, verse to sixteen me. is in the. That's clearly yeah. in the future. Mm-hmm. Meaning, though, because they were loyal at some point in history, whether mm-hmm. it was before Ezekiel or after Ezekiel, because those were the ones who were loyal. This, this is what Adok, they will do. They will come into my sanctuary, and they will come close. They will approach my table to serve me, and they will keep my charge or my my, my treasure. In other words, um, they're going to be the ones who serve in the temple because they were loyal at that uh, point. Point in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, um, now this is where I was just asking a, more of a practical question. Yeah. Um, and then actually, I think we can. And we, did we talk about what the parallel was here? Uh, what the Torah? Yeah, was? it's the portion of Emor. And we're going to. Oh, and, and oh boy, are we going to talk about it? <laughs> exactly. Because because we can't read this passage without reading the passages in Leviticus that are parallel to it. Specific. I mean, particularly these chapters in mm-hmm. you know twenty one through twenty four, but other passages as well. well. We'll talk about that as we read through it. Okay. So it says here, it shall be that when they enter at the gates of the inner court. They shall be clothed, and what it says here, linen garments, mm-hmm. and wool shall not be on them while they are ministering in the gates of the inner court and in the house. Okay. So here is the first contradiction that we have. And this is a famous passage. Mm-hmm. This entire section is famous in, in Jewish tradition because, uh, because it appears over and over to be contradicting Leviticus. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about some of the instances. I want to read you a passage from uh, the Talmud. Uh, the Tractate of Sabbath, 13b. Uh, it says, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, Surely remember that man for good, Hananiah the son of Hezekiah is his name. For without him, the book of Ezekiel would have been banned. And the word there is ganaz, mm-hmm. and it means to be put, put in, in, a ganiz, in, 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 in a ganiz. It means to be stuck in the room where nobody can read it. Right. So they, the rabbis would have banned the book of uh, Ezekiel were it not for this one rabbi, son of Hezekiah. And they go on, for its words contradict the words of the Torah. What did the rabbi do? They brought up 300 garabs of oil for him, and he sat in his upper room and explained them away. In other mm. words, he read, uh, he interpreted them contrary to the language and context to force them to fit the Torah. You know, when you say them, when you said he... he Somebody he, brought him yeah. lots of oil. Remember, yeah. they didn't have electricity. Right. He stayed up day and night until he figured out how to explain. He figured it out. He figured out how to fit Ezekiel to fit what it says in the Torah. Because mm-hmm. to him, there was this, these contradictions. Um, and, you know, and, and this is an important point. You'll go to these websites and they'll, and, and they'll be called like contradictions in scripture. And they'll be tearing down scripture, ripping it apart. Um, 
And here's how I look at it. You know, there's apparent or real contradictions in Scripture. Are, apparent or real contradictions in Scripture are, are vital to get what I call a 3D understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, focusing on the contradictions without trying to explain them results in a fuzzy picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I and I had this experience recently where I went to see a movie. This might be controversial because don't tell me you're gonna. Wh- no, which no it wasn't Harry Potter. It was The Hobbit, the latest Hobbit movie. Oh, is that, is that pagan? Okay, go ahead. No, there was definitely some magic going on in there. But I went with my my uh, nephew and my brother in law who wears a kippa, an Orthodox Jew. Um, anyway, I went to see The Hobbit, and what and 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 they didn't tell me it was going to be a 3D movie. And so, <laughs> and so I'm wearing my glasses instead of my contact lenses, and I'm trying to force those 3D glasses over my over my regular glasses, and they didn't really fix. I got a really big head, and what I noticed is when you take off the 3D glasses, everything is fuzzy. Exactly. Uh, when you wear the 3D glasses, it kind of pops out at you. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 here's how I look at it. So if you take off the glasses, that's like looking at. Focusing on the details of two of two halves of a contradiction mm-hmm. in scripture of something that appears to be a contradiction, focusing on those two things. Whereas if you put on three D glasses and you get this new perspective, mm-hmm. and the, and what was fuzzy before now actually helps you get a better view, a better vision. Does that make any sense? It does. You especially know, when you, if you tell me how this all. Yeah, works. When, when you put on the glasses, try to understand scripture from a place of faith, the image pops out. Apparent contradictions are not a nuisance in Jewish tradition. On the mm-hmm. contrary, contradictions are the fuel that drives mm-hmm. scriptural interpretation in the Jewish tradition. Now, I want to talk about the rabbis a little. They say we need the oral law to solve the contradictions in the Bible. I hear, this, I hear this all the time. Without it, you, you can't, can't read scripture you can't understand because this. otherwise you'll be stuck by the contradictions. Mm-hmm. This is what they say. The oral law provides the solutions made up by rabbis. You know, they, they may be correct with their solutions, but they're no better than anybody else's solution. I mean, you could come up with the same thing. You sit, mm-hmm. you sit in the attic, you know, with, with three hundred garabs of oil. You'll figure it out too, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the atheists claim that the contradictions undermine scripture. For me, they give me a better understanding of scripture, and they provide they provide humility for me. Okay. Sometimes we need to have humility and accept the answer is I don't know, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to have that in this passage. Oh, this passage in Ezekiel provides us with examples of I don't know, at least for me. <laughs> You know, uh, and I have, and I have electrical lights. I don't even need the garabs of oil. I mean, I could sit for days straight with coffee. Um, you know, my approach is always to look for an explanation based on interpretation of language, history, and context. That's number one. Scribal errors are the last resort. Um, scribal change that the scribe changes intentionally. That's what I call the nuclear option. Mm -hmm. And you really have to bring strong proof for that to be the case and have it, you know, Mm -hmm. an example where there's a scribal change is you have this word in the Torah, which is Yishkalena, mm-hmm. and in the margin it says, read it Yishkavena. That's a whole discussion. We have to go into it. Mm-hmm. But actually, clearly, the scribes are telling you we've changed this. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, the scribes tell us what they were doing. Um, now, maybe yeah. this sounds this sounds too simplistic, and, and I know we've always tried to do this, and I know you're telling me, you know, here's what the, 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 the challenges are, and there's, there are issues with it. What I kind of did is I took it a little bit different, and I said, okay, first I want to just know, I just want to know what... You know, I'm, I'm kind of reading it a little bit in a vacuum. I'm saying, so what is it that that uh, Ezekiel is saying here, uh, talking about the future? What are these guys going to do? And, and what? And so when we get to this issue of clothing, my first question I ask is, okay, is this issue of linen garments something that's significant in the Torah? What's the reason for it? You know, and I'm and I'm thinking about, you know, I'm I'm just thinking practical. Yeah. Being, being in here, I'm thinking, okay, well, he's going to have linen garments so that they don't sweat. 
or you know, what I mean, you know, I mean, there's all kinds, of, all kinds of like practical questions, right. and, that, and that might be. Yeah. yeah. But the point is that there's no way I can read this, and, yeah. and definitely the rabbis couldn't read this mm-hmm. um, without comparing it to Leviticus. And basically, we have this idea. Mm-hmm. It says in the Torah twice, Deuteronomy four two, do not add to the Torah and do not and take, take away take from away. it. Yep. Same thing in Deuteronomy twelve thirty two, and then Proverbs thirty verse six, don't add to the Torah. So there can't be some. There can't be a commandment in Ezekiel. Maybe this is needed to be stated first. Ezekiel can't come along and change the rules. Mm. Um, he can't come along and say, "Okay, in the Torah it told you to only marry um, to only marry a, not for a kohen, not to marry a divorced woman or a prostitute, but he can marry a widow." And then come along and say, "No, the kohenim can't marry widows either." Can't do that. Okay. So what? What's and so we've got to deal with it. I want, I want to okay. preempt it, and that is exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. We'll see that. Okay. We've got that's a huge problem. Now here, the first contradiction we came across is almost trivial, at least yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. What's the contradiction? Uh, Exodus 39, verse 1 says, And of the blue and purple and scarlet they made clothes of service to do service in the holy place and made the holy garments for Aaron as Jehovah commanded Moses. What's the contradiction? Well, there is no contradiction, except in the oral law, it says whenever it says blue, it means uh, blue dyed wool. Mm-hmm. And so wait a minute. <laughs> blue dyed wool, according to the rabbis in the oral law. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, specifically Tchelet or is blue dye wool according to them and then Ezekiel forty four seventeen, what we just read says that it, it, it's not it's to be made of linen and it won't be it won't be uh, it won't be wool so that's a contradiction for the rabbis to be honest for me that's not a contradiction but then there's other things that are you know clearly contradictions okay so let's get to a clear contradiction tell All me right. where we're at here all right, let's read verse 18. Okay. Linen turbans shall be on their heads, and linen undergarments shall be on their loins, and they shall not uh, gird themselves with anything which makes them, it says sweat, which yeah. makes them sweat. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. No sweaty clothes. No sweaty clothes. I'm down with that. You're all yeah, right. Th- yeah, there's no problem with that. Let's go on. Okay. When they go into the outer court, into the outer court to the people, they shall put off their garments in which they have been ministering and lay them in the holy chambers. Then they shall put on other garments so that they will not transmit holiness to the people with their garments. Yeah. I got nothing on that. You got nothing on that. <laughs> no, I got nothing on that. <laughs> verse ten, verse I thought 20. that was kind of cool. I mean, basically, yeah. that basically there's something that, that inherent to what they're doing and, and what they're wearing. Well, there's something it, contagious about yeah, holiness. It, That's what it's saying. Yeah, That's I mean, I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, also, they shall not shave their heads. Yet they shall not let their locks grow long. Well, this is your thing. I mean, you, you <laughs> just got to talk about this. And they shall not trim the hair of their heads. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got to look here at uh, Leviticus 21, can, mm-hmm. uh, verse 5. Can we read that? Yes, please. It says, They will not make a baldness uh, on their head, and the corner of their beard they shall not shave, and in their flesh they shall not put cuts. Uh, they shall not cut cuts. Um, so that's for the... And here's an important point in Leviticus. I'm sure we talked about this in the original Torah pearls. There's two types of kohanim. Mm-hmm. There's the hediot, the re- regular priest, mm-hmm. and there's the kohen gadol, the high priest. Mm-hmm. And there are different laws, different commandments in Leviticus Depending for the regular priest yep. and the high priest. Yes. So Leviticus 21 verse 5 was the regular priest. Leviticus 21, um, whatever this verse is, a few verses later, is the high priest. I have the verse here. I didn't write down which verse it was. It says, uh, and the high priest from his brother... Who, uh, upon whose head shall be uh, poured the oil of anointing, and his hand will be filled to to wear the garments. Uh, his head will uh, he will not um, make uh, wild, and his clothes will not be um, uh, kind of tattered. Is the word he flung. Mm-hmm. So um, here's where the confusion is in, in Leviticus 21. Wild hair only appro- applies to the high priest, not the regular priests. Mm-hmm. 
But Ezekiel 44, it applies to the sons of Tzadok. Well, wait a minute. There's only one high priest. Mm-hmm. So these sons of Tzadok, they seem to be like a special in-between category. Mm-hmm. They're this like family of high priests. Like, what's that? Mm-hmm. And so that's where the confusion enters. And maybe this isn't the biggest contradiction in the world because, okay, whatever, you know. Um, but definitely this is at this point, people start definitely in the Jewish tradition to get really nervous. And where the problem really comes up is verse 22. Okay. So 21 says, nor shall any of the priests drink wine when they enter the inner court. And that's not a problem. Just read Le- uh, Leviticus chapter 10, verse nine. Yep. Then it says, here comes the, yeah, here this, comes, this, this is the problem here. Okay. Also, they shall not shave their heads. Yet they 22. I'm sorry. 22. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go look at 22. Yeah. They, and it says, and they shall not marry a widow or a divorced woman, but shall take virgins from the offspring of the house of Israel or a widow who is the widow of a priest. What? That's what it says. You so there's nothing wrong. like that. In, Le- in Leviticus 21, it says about the regular priest, it says uh, a prostitute and a defiled woman they shall not take. Um and a woman who is divorced from her husband, they shall not marry, for uh, he is holy to uh, his God. That's for the re- so the regular priest is not allowed to marry a prostitute, a defiled woman, whatever that is. This is a whole discussion, mm-hmm. and a divorced woman. He can marry a uh, a widow, mm-hmm. the the regular priest. Um, Leviticus twenty one. Let's see, it's uh, verses thirteen to fourteen. It says about the high priest, he shall take a woman who is a virgin, betula, and then it says. Uh, uh, a, a, a widow, a divorced woman, a defiled woman who is a prostitute, these he shall not take, but only a betula, uh, a virgin from his people, he shall take as a wife. Mm-hmm. So um, this is kind of confusing. We've got these uh, B'nai Tzadok, these sons of Tzadok, who are not allowed to marry. Um, so first of all, the, the, the category of divorced woman, that's not a problem. Meaning mm-hmm. no coin is allowed to marry a divorced woman. Everyone agrees on that. There's no question, no difference between Ezekiel and um, and Leviticus, um, but then it says these 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 Benet can't marry uh, a widow unless the widow is the widow of a Kohen. Mm-hmm. That is a completely so. First of all, the widow that applies to the high priest in, in Leviticus, not the regular priest, and now it's applying to all the sons of Tzadok. And this idea of a widow from a Kohen, where's that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you understand the problem here. This sure. is why the guy went up into his attic with 300 garabs of oil. He said, "Wait." Ezekiel is contradicting uh, Leviticus, and um, it's a problem, you know, and, and I don't know the answer is I don't know, but um, this is definitely what we call an apparent contradiction, mm-hmm. and there's probably lots of different solutions to it. To me, the question is more important than, meaning me, being aware that there's this contradiction is more important than coming up with the different convoluted answers, quite exactly. frankly. Exactly. All right. Um, now, I want to talk, can we talk about contradictions a little bit? Sure. You know, one of the things I'll see is, is you know, there's, there's, um, and people accuse me of this. They say, oh, Nehemiah, you're, you're Jewish and you're talking to Christians, to Messianics. You must be doing it to convince them to give up Jesus. You must be a counter-missionary. Have you heard that? Of course. And and that's not what I do. And by the um, way, if that was the case, and let me just yeah. be really clear. Yeah. If it was the case, Nehemiah, that your mission was uh, as, a, as a, a counter-missionary, we wouldn't be doing this program. You mean you wouldn't be doing? A I wouldn't be doing. I wouldn't be doing the program with you if that was the, if that was what your if that if that okay. was what your focus was. Yeah. Because that's not. For and me, if I was a counter missionary, I wouldn't be doing the program with you. What would be the point? Well, yeah. Or you might. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll do a good, good job. Okay. So yeah. The, yeah. Right. So the counter missionaries, what they do is they'll use the contradictions in the New Testament to destroy people's faith. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, let's be honest. The New Testament has apparent contradictions that make the issues in Ezekiel look relatively minor. But to me, it's it's hypocritical to always look to solve the contradiction in your text. Mm-hmm. 
you know, meaning the rabbis, what they'll do is they'll say, when it comes to Tanakh, we've got to solve the contradictions. Mm -hmm. We've got to explain them away. But when it comes to somebody else's text, we want to emphasize that contradiction to undermine their faith. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. How, isn't that hypocritical? Wow. It seems hypocritical to me. I don't know. What's your view on that? Well, no, I just think that's really interesting because, you know, we, we wouldn't have had to address this. We could have just kind of said, hey, you know what? Let's go and talk about what's going to happen in the third temple time. And this is, right. this is what the deal is. It sounds and, the, and this is the reason. And to be honest with you, that's an approach that's, uh, that's a whole lot easier than what you're talking about. It's certainly a lot more comfortable yeah. than what you're talking about. Because what you're talking about is that in this passage here, there are some things that clearly don't fit. This, I mean, look, let me back up. Just like the rabbis wanted to take every copy of the book of Ezekiel and put them in the back room of the synagogue so nobody could read them. This is a really big deal for Jews that Leviticus says one thing and Ezekiel comes along and says something else. How can that be? And I don't have the answer. So I'm going to ask you this. So when I'm reading this, maybe this is just complete being naive. I'm thinking is we're talking about the future. Here's what's going to happen in the future. Right. Here's what's going to happen. But the Torah is forever. And I I understand 100%. Completely understand that. I wasn't. I guess I wasn't looking at it as so much the contradictions. I was saying this is what's this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to have happen with the sons of Zadok. And maybe you're. You know, I guess you're. You're right. It's like I. I really wasn't thinking about. Okay. Um, this. This. I mean, he, here's here's for the Jewish perspective. Is it's as if Ezekiel came along and said. Up until now, we've sacrificed sheep and but and and, can I say, and and bulls. Now we're going to be sacrificing pigs. But here's the problem. What? what? No. So you're a false prophet. No, 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 no. Because here's what. And again, I guess the point has to do with these these simple little words here. And I want to give you these simple words. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in in Ezekiel forty four um, fifteen, at the end of the verse, it says, "And they shall stand before me to offer me, and the fat and the blood declares the Lord God." In English is what it says. This is Ezekiel saying this. Yeah. Is, if the word of the Lord came, yeah. so I'm, I'm putting it. I guess I'm not. I'm not putting it on Ezekiel. I'm yeah. putting it. On, well, but God wouldn't contradict. He, he doesn't. He's not a man that he should lie, nor son of man that he change Amen. his mind. Does he speak in that act? So let's understand not what he's saying. So that's what I was saying. Is right. that I was getting to it. and I was saying, okay, so there's this future thing that's going to happen, mm-hmm. and in this future thing, this is what it's going to look like. And maybe that's where I. Maybe I, I just I'm being a little bit naive. Mm-hmm. Is that I was just thinking, okay, hey, this is this is something that's going to happen. He's going to do that with this with these priests. You're saying so, let's gloss over the details. No, not gloss you know, over the who details. Cares if they contradict no, 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 not at all. I was just looking at it and saying, okay, so this okay. is what he's saying is going to happen. Meaning, now it'd be one thing if he said, back at this time this happened, and they did this, and this was according to my word, and then back at this time this happened, and again, it's just it's it's maybe it's just a different approach. But what I appreciate about yeah. what you're saying is how big a deal this is. It is a big deal because they, no, you're they wanted the to Torah, ban this book. You're hearing the Torah. Read and you're hearing yeah. the Torah, that, and, and, I'm, and and as it pertains to the Leviticus yeah. section, we then have the Torah being read yeah. and the prophet section being read, and and why not run away from it instead? It's well, and, and they could have done that. They could have said, "We're never going to read this section because this is embarrassing." Yeah. Instead, they said, "Let's get in front of this. Let's not deny the contradictions. Let's not hide the contradictions. Let's read the con- let's read the contradictory passage mm-hmm. and say, look, we need to struggle for this. We need to get up in our upper room in the attic or down in the safe house with uh, 300 garabs of oil and figure this out. And, and that's and, and we may not get the definitive answer, but at least we'll be we'll be wrestling and struggling with the word of God. So, and I guess, and again, that's what I want to say. But I appreciate it, and I especially appreciate you um, bringing up the example 
of what happens in in for for other texts that yeah. basically you know here's the contradiction here's the contradiction here's the contradiction yeah. and you know there's all these oh and, and I'll have people say this all the time they'll say like you know oh you know who was the first one to see Jesus after he rose you know and and, and you know one gospel says this and the other gospel says that and they contradict each other and, and so why do you even talk to those Christians and I say wait a minute so there's contradictions in the gospels what about the contradictions in our book. Uh, you know, we 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 embrace those contradictions. So why do you why do you reject their book because it has the same sort of contradiction? We say in our book. I mean, look, the entire Talmud is about the contradictions. It is. They love. They're the bread and butter of scriptural interpretation. They are. They're not some minor thing that we sweep under the rug. I mean, the Christians do that. But but in in the in the Jewish tradition, we embrace those contradictions because they give us a better understanding of scripture. The the you know the image we have or the the description is there's the thesis. And the antithesis, mm-hmm. and when you put them together, you have synthesis. Mm-hmm. And, and so the contradictions are actually vital. They give us this three-dimensional understanding. And my point is it's hypocritical to point to the other people's contradictions mm-hmm. and say that undermines their, their doctrine, whereas for us, it's actually a core part of our doctrine. We, we need it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I want to say this. The truth or falsehood of, of, of Judaism or the Tanakh it's not dependent on contradictions, and neither should the truth or falsehood of, of somebody else's faith. Faith is based on, I think, on personal experience and a relationship with God. And for the Jews, the national experience and relationship with God as a nation. Our faith is not based on you know the minutia of this text or that text. Um, and, and that's really important. I'm not going to throw out my faith because there's something in Ezekiel that seems to contradict Leviticus. Mm-hmm. And maybe even does contradict Leviticus. Um you know, the minutiae of the text, they're important. They, they allow us to grow in faith and get a deeper understanding of, of our relationship and understanding of God. But that relationship needs to be there in the first place. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You know, th- this is why many Jewish sages uh, said that the first commandment, the first statement in the Ten Commandments, Anochi Yehovah, is not a commandment. Meaning some people mm-hmm. have counted the Ten Commandments. They mm-hmm. say the first commandment is I am Yehovah. Mm-hmm. And then other rabbis came along, other Jewish sources, and they said, no. That's not a commandment. If you don't already embrace that Yehovah is God, then there's no discussion. It's game over. There's no over. reason to be a discussion. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will tell you something. When I when I went on to, and if there is a, you know, if there is a, as the contradictions are there, when verse twenty three, forty four, yeah. twenty three comes up, uh, and he says, "Can I read it?" Well, hold, hold on. Okay, I want I want to make one more statement here. Yep. Because some people will read some of my, you know, uh, they'll, you know, read, let's say, NehemiahsWall.com or the CarrotCorn.org, some of the things I've written, or even my book, The Hebrew Show versus the Greek Jesus, and they'll say, "Wait a minute." So when it comes to contradictions in the Tanakh, you say that doesn't undermine your faith, but you reject the oral law because it contradicts the Torah, it contradicts the Tanakh. And, and that's a misunderstanding of what I've been saying, a, mis, a misreading of, of my approach, at least. Um, for me, it's not that there's this specific contradiction between the oral law and scripture or that specific, but really, uh, for me, it's a fundamental departure of values between the oral law and the written scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about in my Hebrew show versus the Greek Jesus, the story of Rabbi Eliezer, where the rabbis declare, declare that they've defeated God. To me, that's not about a contradiction of one verse or another verse or some minutia. That's a fundamental departure of values of, of you know, what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, and I could argue with rabbis all day long about this verse or that verse. I believe I would always win. <laughs> However, the big issue isn't a given verse, but the rabbis open rebellion against the creator of the universe. And there I'm done. Okay, so this is your, uh, this is your, this is what your, this is your thing. This is what my ministry is about: empowering people with information and not and building up faith. 
and you may have a different faith. That's mm-hmm. okay. But I think it's important that you that you struggle with it and 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 engage it and get up in that upper room with the mm-hmm. three hundred garabs of oil to understand the word of God, whatever you believe the word of God it's, to be. It's so it's so interesting to hear me. I'm I'm just completely. Uh, we had some conversations today with yeah. me, you and me and uh, and your mother and and uh, the whole historical contextual situation you guys come from. Where you bring up something and she says, "Did you check the the the, the mid you know the the, the commentary the medieval commentaries. And I'm thinking to myself, I, that's not even in my head. And, and to be honest with you, I, I'll just say this on the radio. I'll, I'll say this. You know, sometimes I get a little nervous because you'll say, "And the rabbis and the rabbis and the rabbis. but you know, this is it. This is your experience. This is where you come from. And so for me, I have to kind of take that in. But you know, I've had a completely different experience. I haven't had the exposure to all of those sorts of issues in the oral law. There's some wonderful uh, rabbis that I met and that I know that I, I absolutely love them uh, and, and and not because they have some hidden knowledge of uh, some oral law or anything like that more because of their devotion and their heart and who they are um, as people so I don't have the same experience but I have to tell you 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 do cause me to slow down and to have to listen to what that experience is and I'm sure that if I were to talk more about where I've come from and some of those places where there's mm-hmm. been an abuse of, um, of authority a misinterpretation of the word of God I can go on and on and on with all that even in my own denomination you might get a little nervous too like well Keith you're being so hard on him but you know you said something to me you said you know I can I, you know if it's my brother I can beat up my brother you just can't beat my brother up <laughs> well and, so, and it's so, not so much beating up my brother yeah. it's this is the cultural background and context I come from right and and as I come to scripture and I try to try to understand it I need to struggle with that background yeah and I can just say oh well this is what the rabbis say so that's the end of the story and many people or, do say that yeah they do and and or I could say oh, I'm not gonna even look at what they say but i think what what i i think there's a lot of power for me to 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 engage that history and um and look at it and consider it but then ultimately say what is the word of god say? now one thing i do want to say i just want to say this yeah. and, and we can move on yeah is the one thing i really do appreciate about uh, um in my experience with the differences and, and this rabbi says this and rabbi, this rabbi says that yeah. in the end after all the arguments yeah they don't say now because you disagree with me, you're no longer, you know, right. You know, you're not, you're, you're not, going to hell. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, whatever. I mean, the, the, but the point is, is that I wish there was more of that on, on the other side where I'm at, where there could be more uh, creative tension, disagreement. We agree to disagree. And that's exactly what there is, is there's yeah. creative tension. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wish there was more willingness yeah. to have an agreement to disagree. What yeah. I find, especially in some of the places that I've been moving is people say, oh, you don't agree with such and such. Therefore, I can have no fellowship with you. <laughs> we, right. can't, we can't even have a conversation. You know, right. we can't even uh, engage right. one another. So that's that's kind of right. sad. Well, and, and just to just to wrap it up for, yeah. you know, to, for Ezekiel uh, 44, 22, the, the, the issue here is that this idea of a priestly widow mm-hmm. is an entirely new innovation. Okay. And, and, and that's probably the biggest contradiction or apparent contradiction in the entire book of Ezekiel with the book of Leviticus. Okay. All the other ones, I think, are pretty minor. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be explained. This one, I say, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, can I go to 23? Sure. Moreover, in fact, folks, we really do want, you know, and again, we said this before, and mm-hmm. I mean, we want people to read. We won't read every single uh, a verse, but I do think this verse is sure really... seems like we are. This, okay. Yeah, no, this is a really important verse. It says, they shall teach my people, and, it, and I think in uh-huh. English they use the word the difference, but it just says, mm-hmm. they shall teach my people between the holy and the profane, and mm-hmm. is what they use in English, and cause them to discern, he uses the word here, to discern between the unclean and the clean. And I think that if just that was something that was being done, I would be really encouraged. But I find yeah. that there's less and less of that. There's yeah. less and less of the teaching. Here's what is holy 
Here's what is not. Mm-hmm. It's like I talk about loving what God loves and hating what he hates. It's not as many messages about what God hates. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. Many people don't even know. They, we talked about the abominations. We talk about those things that are outside of his word, those things that are outside of his commandments, his judgments, his statutes. And I have to say, many people that I interact with, many people, they don't even know. They don't even have a clue about those things. And that's why this is important mm-hmm. to me, giving people a chance to at least know the difference. Yeah. To understand that there's a difference between the holy and the profane, as it says here, and to discern between the unclean and the clean. Right. And by the way, the parallel here is, uh, or this is based on, is Deuteronomy 24, verse 8. Mm-hmm. Um, and there it speaks about, it actually says, uh, it says, beware of the plague of leprosy, uh, to do it, um, to guard it, and to do according to all that the Levitical priests teach you. Mm-hmm. Um, as I commanded them, you shall be, you shall diligently do. And it's really interesting because we have in both verses, both in Ezekiel forty four twenty three and Deuteronomy twenty four eight, we have this word yoru. Mm-hmm. They will teach. Maybe that should be the word of the week. Or Go you ahead. wanted no, the word no, of the no, week? No, no, I already did it. I, oh, we that was about that okay. So uh, uh, yoru is uh, yud vav resh vav, and it means literally they will teach. But it's from the same root as Torah. Mm-hmm. Um, the root of the word Torah is actually, remember, every word is a three-letter mm-hmm. root. Mm-hmm. The root of the word Torah is Yud, Resh, He. Yes. Right. And interestingly, in the word Torah, the Yud is not visible. It's mm-hmm. not there. And you might think, well, it is in Yoru, but not really. Um, in fact, in the word Yoru, the, the Yud there is not the Yud of the root. It's the Yud of, um, of, the, of the word of the prefix, yep. which expresses they together mm-hmm. with the suffix. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yoru, Yud, Vav. Reish hey is they will teach they will Torah, they will Torah. Um, and there's there's a, a great verse that has this it's it's one of our passages that we talk about all the time it's Isaiah chapter two um, let's see Isaiah chapter two verse three and many nations shall go and they shall say let us go up to uh, the uh, mountain of Yehovah mm-hmm. uh, to the uh, to the house of the God of Jacob. And mm-hmm. he will yore, he yes. will Torah us he will from his way. It's from the same root, Yud Reish Hey, Yoru, and there it's Yore, he will, they mm-hmm. will. That's the word of the week. Amen. Well, I want to say this, Nehemiah, when I, when I read, and again, this is another example of yeah. a, a verse that I just think is really important. <laughs> they all are really important, but it yeah. says in a dispute, and I, I just think this is interesting. It says in a dispute, they shall take their stand to judge. Mm-hmm. In forty four twenty four. who will? These priests will actually not only... Uh, minister before him and 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 serve him and be at the table and do all of these things, but they'll also in this dispute take their stand to judge. And I I have to tell you that when I think about that, I think wow, in integrity, wouldn't that be? It wouldn't that be? Would it wouldn't those be the people you would want to be the ones that would judge? Now in our system. Yeah. In the United States, of course, over here. Uh, and listen, I'm over here. I'm actually in Israel. You know, in Israel. Do you even know how the judge? No, I don't. But let me Israel, tell you about it. Let me just tell you about what's. <laughs> I was hearing about it, by the way. Yeah. Um, in the United States, you know, there, there. I would that we'd have righteous judges. Um, that we'd have judges that would say, "Here's what the Word of God says. We understand it. We're teaching it. The, the profane and the, un- mm-hmm. the holy and the profane. We're teaching people good and evil. And now it's time to address the dispute. And we and we and we and we we address that dispute from the perspective mm-hmm. of God's Word and God. I mean." Can you imagine? I mean, and that's what the case is going to be. This is what we're going to have in the, we're gonna have in the end times. So there's yeah. not going to be Levitical the kind of priests. systems in the court systems now where all the politicians get involved and the finances get involved and who voted for who and whatever, whatever. I mean, I got to tell you, um, even over here in Israel, I was really shocked as I've been um, learning a little bit about the legal system here uh, and the court system and how it works. It was really discouraging to me <laughs> to hear 
some of the issues and, how, and, and some of the ways that it works. And yet I read this and I think, wow, what will it be like, you know, right. when there's a dispute and you could have right. righteous judges that would right. stand up and judge? Well, to me, what's significant about this is this is reiterating Deuteronomy 17, verse 8 mm-hmm. and on where it talks about the exact same thing. When there's come some kind of dispute, there's something you don't know, something you don't understand, mm-hmm. you go to the Levitical priests who will be at the temple. Mm-hmm. And this is reiterating that and saying, not only will it be at the Levitical priests, it will be specifically the B'nai Sadok, the Sadducees, right. the sons of Zadok. <laughs> i got to say something yeah. that's kind of hilarious. Yeah. What's funny to me is how um, people will take some aspects of this and say, okay, so now we got to set up a new group of people that are going to be that, and they're going to be the judge and the And we will call ourselves the sons of Zadok. I, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean, I just... Uh, Shall we continue? Why don't Let's you tell it. me which the next verse yeah. is? Well, you decide the next verse. The next verse is verse 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me just... Uh, how are we doing? Yeah, I mean, let, let's assign this as homework for people. Let's we do, do that? that. Yes, let's so do that. So Leviticus, uh, sorry, Ezekiel 44, verse 25 speaks about going to the funeral of somebody who died. Mm-hmm. And the parallel for that is two passages. One is Leviticus 21, verses 1 to 3. Mm-hmm. And then again in Leviticus 21, verse 15. Verses 1 to 3 of Leviticus 21 are speaking about the regular priest and verse 15 about the high priest. Mm-hmm. Please compare these in detail and you'll see there are some issues here mm-hmm. about um, who the, whose funeral the regular priest can go to versus the high priest. And the sons of Zadok are kind of like, yeah, we got yes. a problem. You know, yes, yeah, yes, somewhere yes. kind of like this hybrid between high priest and regular Kohanim. Mm. Check it out for yourself. Let's go on verse twenty. Or read on. Verse can 26. I just? Can I? Can yeah. I just? I want to do one thing, and then yeah. I'm actually done. I mean, okay. what I mean by done, yeah. I, I mean I'm. You know, I've only got one thing, and I, I really want to say to folks. Uh, I, I told you today, Nehemiah, how appreciative yeah. I was of the last study that we did. We were dealing with the issue of the uh, Nahal, um, and it was in a different form. Uh, but when we get to forty four twenty eight, it says, "And it shall be with regard to an inheritance for them." And I want to use this as an example yeah. that I am their inheritance, and yeah. you shall give them no possession in Israel. I am their possession. And what's the word that they use for inheritance? It is nachala. Right. And 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 I just have to tell you, I mean, I told Dehemia, I'm probably going to bring this up, you know, as we go through our, our prophet pearls. I think the number one pearl that you that you brought up was this issue of this word that was used in a different form that mm. that wasn't speaking in the negative but rather the positive. And then when I see this different situation, different word but it reminded me again of this this idea of the of, of an inheritance. Mm-hmm. And uh and I and I read this and I think and, wow. and just so people know what we're talking about yeah. what, what verse was that? 4428? 40 no, it was no no, but Oh, I'm sorry, now. It was Ezekiel 22:16. Yes. about uh Israel um either being desecrated desecrated in the mm-hmm. eyes of, of the nations or dividing up the land that God gave them in the, in the eyes of the nation. Mm-hmm. And and what I explained is that uh the way I read it it's the PL verb. It means, and they divided up the land. Yeah. Um, and they and, and in modern terms, you would actually say they were settlers. They were settlers. Um, uh, yeah. And here it's the same word that that got. And, and the word literally means an inherited portion. And it's so funny. We're using a different yeah. word completely now. We're talking about a noun that that this this and that inheritance. Was a verb, yeah. yeah. And that was a verb. But right. it, and here, what God is saying is that um, He's going to be the inherited portion of yes these, of these Amen. Benet, Sado, Amen. Of these, Amen. These and you shall give them no possession in Israel. I am their possession. That goes back to yeah. the whole idea with the Levites. Levites. Yeah. Not having a land, but having Him be the possession, Him being their inheritance. Yeah. So you can. There's two more verses. Feel free, knock yourself There's out. Three more verses, but yeah, I mean, so that's homework for people. Go read those verses. Okay, awesome. Um, I, I do. I, I, now, let's just say this, Nehemiah. We're, we're. I do want to say something. I asked you a question. I said to you, I said, so, so let me ask this. So, um, these these priests that are ministering uh, before God, in what ways are those of us that are trying to be His ministers? How do we also 
um, do this. Not I'm not talking about being, you know, the Levit- Levitical line. I, I completely, let me be really clear, completely disagree when people uh, take the the um, the uh, real casual thing and says, well, I'm I'm the Levitical priest and or I'm the high priest and I've got the, the, the benefits of the high priest. But as terms of trying to help people understand the profane, the good, the holy, the statutes, the judgments, the word of God, helping people understand what the word of God says, in some ways, can I say, in some ways, it's a, it's a humbling thing to know that you're ministering. And so we have mm-hmm. ministry that yeah. is ministering really before him. So, right. I mean, let's take a moment to just let people know about what the ministries are. Yeah, go ahead. Well, for me, it's real clear. I mean, we have BFAInternational.com. That has become the flagship for what we're doing. And I am more and more and more excited about how many people are interacting with us. I challenge you, if you um, if you haven't gotten a chance to go to the site, please go to the site. Take a look at everything that's there. I'm going to be really simple about it. There's more that is coming really soon. I don't know what the date is today um, in terms of where we have, we're here. That's when it's being broadcast. Yeah, yeah, this is being broadcast sometimes at the uh, end of April. Well, Let me just say this. May 2nd. May 2nd. Let me say it right now by faith, though I'm not feeling so well and it's kind of been stopped in my tracks. It is my goal that by the time of Shavuot, we will have something really special for everyone that's listening right now in Prophet mm-hmm. Pearls at BFAInternational.com. And hopefully within the next 10, 24 hours, <laughs> I'll be able to explain a little bit more. But uh, please check out our site. And then uh, there's just so many things that you can learn. Inspiring people around the world to build a biblical foundation for their faith. Yeah, my ministry is uh, McCore Hebrew Foundation. And what I'm trying to do is empower people with information. Mm-hmm. I want to build the wall of faith. Uh, uh, you know, and the, the image I always go back to is Nehemiah standing on the wall, and they got the, the you know the building implement in one hand and the defense implement in one hand, and, and I think it's really important for people to um, you know to, to be empowered. Yeah. Otherwise, you end up with the situation of well, well, that guy went up into the room and he figured it out, so I don't need to think about this. Yeah, he no. went up with three hundred years. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Okay, point. great. He did that. Good for him. Now I need to struggle with with these verses and yeah. understand them. And and what that is is that's me interacting with the Word of God. Isn't Amen. that a beautiful? thing even if i in the end don't understand it i've engaged with the word of god for me this is ministry Mm -hmm. for me and sharing this with people is ministry Mm -hmm. um you know this this is is my interaction with god and and for me this is experiencing god you know ultimately the goal is to know god which is in in biblical hebrew is to is an intimate thing Mm -hmm. is to have that intimate experience and when you do that then the contradictions aren't going to destroy your faith Mm -hmm. the contradictions are only going to destroy your faith if you don't have that solid foundation Mm -hmm. if you don't have that wall built up if the wall's built up and you've built on a solid foundation Mm -hmm. then those contradictions are things that will you'll take the thesis and the antithesis and you'll end up with the synthesis Mm -hmm. and then you'll have a a true deeper three-dimensional understanding Amen. amen well for that um we want to just uh say to everyone thanks for listening we are going to end in prayer and 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 continue in this process uh keep your ear to the ground there's a lot still going on let's pray father thank you for the opportunity and what an amazing uh, what an amazing testimony of what it will be like to be uh, under the righteous um, priest that would stand before you and administer before you and then also be able to stand before the people uh, with a clean heart and a, a good conscience and uh, and the word of God is a light unto their feet um, that that would be able to share and to, and to teach uh, the nations what does it mean to follow your statutes your judgments and your Torah. Um, that gives us the ability to understand your will and your way. Bless us, protect us, and keep us, and send us forth until we are here again in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit NehemiahsWall.com and BFA International. 
www.thepeopleshow.com. 